0: May it please the court. The question presented in this appeal is whether the Younger Abstention Doctrine is broad enough to enable a district court to decline the exercise of jurisdiction otherwise conferred upon it in favor of a hypothetical lawsuit involving different parties, different claims, and seeking different relief. Than that authorized in any presently pending state court proceeding,
1: counsel. Let, let me start with a question that's mostly an alert to opposing counsel. Uh, did anyone argue to the to the district court or even note to the district court the Supreme Court's decision in
0: Sprint Communications versus Jacobs? Yes, Your Honor. We address Sprint. And Sprint is an extremely helpful case to us, which limits Younger and, to and, a very.
1: And the district court did not mention it.
0: The district court did not address Sprint, Your and Honor. And
1: the last line, or the of the penultimate paragraph, in reversing the Eighth Circuit nine to nothing for invoking Younger abstention, says we today clarify and affirm that Younger extends to the three exceptional circumstances identified in Nopsy and no further. Did the district court obey that command,
0: Your Honor? I don't believe that it did. The whole well.
1: analysis was was the uh, uh, the, um, the three um, middlesex factors.
0: You, you are correct, Your with, Honor. Which
1: Jacobs goes at great length to say, sure they're relevant, but they don't add anything to Nazi.
0: You are correct, Your Honor. And I, in speaking to that briefly, number one, I I certainly hate to to, to see. Uh, the Supreme Court um, reverse uh, this court uh, ever, uh, but certainly um, when it did so in that case, it made a very clear statement that its holding uh, in Nopsy, uh should control. Um, and the, Nor- the, the New Orleans case um, that uh, the Supreme Court um, made much to do about was involved specifically a zoning issue. But um, to be clear about this uh, case uh, to make sure that the, everyone is aware of the, the underlying proceeding. The state court proceeding at issue in this particular case was a statutory action for certiorari review of a quasi judicial decision of the Stone County Board of Adjustment uh, that denied my client 375's application for a conditional use permit to operate a nightly rental.
2: There was nothing, there was no enforcement. This was entirely your client's initiative, correct, to challenge the denial of this permit?
0: That is correct, Your Honor. There was no enforcement action. To my knowledge, there's been no enforcement action threatened. There's no enforcement action pending. Um, And there has, other than uh, in the federal case, uh, there's been no action that addressed uh, any potential enforcement action um, or the legislative enactment, which is, I think, Judge Kelly, you're making the point that I was about to make, which is, you know, what, we didn't have the ability in the Board of Adjustment action, the state certiorari action, to challenge the legislative enactment. I mean, that by statute, what we were entitled to bring against the Board of Adjustment uh, was a challenge to the decision that it rendered, which was the application of the ordinance. What I'm having challenge- a
3: hard time sorting out. <laughs> you, you seem to be arguing that your cha- one of your challenges in the federal case is to the statute as applied. Correct. And your challenge in the state certiorari is to the application of the statute. It feels like you're slicing with a very fine blade there.
0: So it, I am, but the Supreme Court of the state of Missouri did so as well when they talked about an as applied challenge being directed to an ordinance as opposed to a challenge to a decision that was made in the application of the ordinance. What we're saying is that the ordinance, as applied to us, not necessarily by in this particular decision by the Board of Adjustment, that as the statute applies to 375, but how because- do
3: I tease that out? I mean, in, in the practicality
0: sure. of things, you
3: you no longer have a case where you're dealing with the abstract possibility, as is sometimes true in a vagueness challenge, of how the statute might work in your circumstance. You have a case of exactly how the statute did work in your circumstance. So. I'm having a hard time seeing that it is not a semantic difference.
0: So I disagree with you, uh, Judge Menendez, with respect to sort of the premise. And the premise is that we had a situation where we saw how the ordinance actually applied to us. I disagree. What we saw was how uh, the CUP, basically the opportunity to obtain a conditional use permit, was applied in a particular application to us. But in the federal action, what we were essentially challenging was the future enforcement. So as applied by way of future enforcement, which we sought to enjoin uh, by the county commission or the county itself, um, uh, we believed that as applied to 375, the enforcement of the statute, meaning all of the penalties that come from violating um, essentially a, you know, a uh, the ordinance that would prevent us from conducting nightly rentals, it would be an illegal or unlawful application to us because the ordinance didn't provide us with uh, sufficient notice as to what type of conduct was prohibited. And so the difference is that we're attacking the enforcement of the ordinance in, this, in the federal action, and really what we're attacking in the state court action is merely a decision that was made. Uh, not through the enforcement of the ordinance, but by way of our application for an exemption or a... a But
3: exploring specifically how the application of the ordinance would work in your case, although it might have been seeking relief from the ordinance under uh, administrative protocol, it was very much about does this ordinance prohibit what 375 is trying to do or not.
0: No, it was whether or not we were entitled to a conditional use permit, not whether it would prevent us from doing what we wanted to do uh, uh, anyway. So, we're challenging the enforceability of the of the ordinance that prevents us from doing nightly rentals in the federal action. In the state court action, we're challenging whether or not the Board of Adjustment accurately and correctly applied the conditions for which we could obtain an exemption from the ordinance. So, again, the enforcement of the prohibition on the federal level and an exemption uh, or a decision related to the exemption at the state court level
3: what what is happening in the state
0: court presently yeah uh, we are we are waiting a decision from the um, from the court uh, there there was a it was originally remanded um, to the board of adjustment for a written determination for uh, what the district court or the circuit court described as a uh, violation of the administrative hearing. Uh, statutes of the state of Missouri. Uh, There wasn't a written decision that was issued. It remanded for a written decision by the Board of Adjustment. Uh, That written decision uh, has been presented by the Board of Adjustment, and we're waiting on a decision uh, as to whether or not... So that
1: suggests if we reverse, they'll keep
0: waiting. Um, But not on any of the... Yes, that that is correct. I mean, if you reverse here there 's not going to be any direct impact we 're still going to have to litigate the issue as to whether or not there's an, the ordinance itself is unconstitutional
1: I assume that's what that's the only reason for them to wait i don 't know why they don 't finish their job
0: well I, I can't certainly can't speak to and I certainly wouldn't want to criticize the circuit court of stone county i 'm sure that the judge is doing his best to get through the record, uh, but his job is very different than the job of the federal court here. His job is to determine whether or not the record supports uh, the ultimate findings in the decision of the Board of Adjustment. That really wouldn't be at issue in the federal case. What's at issue in the federal case is whether or not the ordinance itself is unconstitutional, uh, by either facially or as applied through an enforcement mechanism against uh, my client, 375. So again, may or may just so the, the issue isn't,
3: though, what you chose... I'm sorry, Judge Kelly, mm-hmm. you go no. ahead. No. It isn't what you chose to bring where. It's what you could have brought.
0: Uh, and so I... And, and so
3: what's your best case for like on point for the idea that you could not have brought, and I understand you say you didn't have the right parties, but I need something other than your assertion that you didn't have the parties who could take the action. One of the things I find interesting about what you've done is you've essentially taken an administrative body and put it in one case and put its appellate administrative body in another case, which is a choice you made. Um, So what is your best authority for the idea that you could not have brought the issues you brought in the federal case in that
0: cert petition? Antioch. So it's a Missouri Supreme Court case from 2018. And Antioch expressly holds that, in in that case, basically what happened is that Um, A church challenged uh, a Board of Zoning Adjustments decision um, and also attempted to bring constitutional claims against the Board of Zoning Adjustment. Um, After a decision on cert had been rendered, they tried to join the city because they realized that they needed the city to be a party uh, in order to bring the constitutional claims since the city is the one who adopted the ordinance. Um, And what the Supreme Court says, kind of ignoring the procedural issue, basically, determined that the city wasn't properly a party. And what the Supreme Court said was, the constitutional claim the church makes that Kansas City violated the First Amendment in enacting the portion of its zoning code disallowing digital monument signs is a claim directed at Kansas City. The parties acknowledge the Board of Zoning Adjustment did not adopt the zoning code and has no authority to adopt or modify ordinances. So the circuit court could not grant relief in Kansas City's absence. We could not challenge the, uh, the enactment of the ordinance or the enforcement of the ordinance against the Board of Zoning Adjustment, or the Board of Adjustment, as it's called in Stone County. And that is because they're not the ones who are responsible for adopting or promulgating the ordinance, and they're not the ones that are responsible for enforcing it. And that's the direct holding of Antioch.
3: And Antioch contemplates that it doesn't have the right people in the room. Does Correct. it address your ability to get the right people in the room in that proceeding?
0: Antioch does not, but I do, I do think that the, the, there is a key case that does and it's a case from the United States Supreme Court which talks about excuse me just a second well, in fact, it's New Orleans Public Service uh, versus the Council of City of New Orleans. It's the 1989 case. It's NOPSI. Uh, and what it says is that the right of a plaintiff to choose a federal court where there is a choice cannot be properly denied. And so what you're talking about, I think, is whether or not we can be forced as a result of Younger to choose to bring a lawsuit against different parties asserting different claims in a, in a state court proceeding. Basically, what you're saying is, could we have sued other parties? Could we have brought a different lawsuit? Yes, no, absolutely we could have.
3: This proceeding, I understand that argument from your briefing. Um, I'm saying not could you have brought a different lawsuit. Oh, sure. But I think one of the things Younger's is trying to avoid here is you parsing and bringing, you know, taking the same set of questions and choosing to litigate them simultaneously in two forums. So it's not could you have brought a totally different lawsuit. It's could you have added or included these parties in this petition.
0: We could have, but it would have to been a separate count. So we could not have brought a sixty-four-eight seventy-point-two challenge, which is the cert challenge, against anybody other than the board of adjustment, and that's because the statute provides that the only thing that can be reviewed in that action is the decision of the board, uh, the one, the, whatever body rendered the decision. So could we have joined additional parties under different counts of in the this same proceeding? Situation? Not in the 64-870 proceeding. It could have been the same lawsuit, okay. yes. I mean, it could have been under the same case number, but it would have had to have been a separate count or a separate cause of action, and they would not have, even the causes of action would not have overlapped in terms of who the defendants were. And I think, again, that gets directly to the point that I was trying to make under NOPSI, which is, Essentially, what you're doing is saying, if I sue, for example, if I had a lawsuit against John Doe, uh, but I also had a lawsuit against Jane Doe that related to similar issues that I filed in federal court, could the federal court force me to add Jane Doe to the John Doe lawsuit as well? I mean, I, the answer is no. Well, under, it's not about
3: what the court is forcing you to do. It's about what the court is choosing to do with their own jurisdiction.
0: Except that it runs directly contrary to the well-established right that was since wilcox in i think 1909 which was recognized again in nopsy which says listen if you have a proper federal forum a plaintiff has a right to choose where to bring the suit you cannot merely because it may be more judicious or judicious or more efficient to force that plaintiff to litigate that case in state court you can't do that the federal court has an unflagging and unwavering obligation except for in very limit, limited circumstances and under nopsy this case does not apply under sprint uh this case would not be one in which the federal court properly would abdicate its obligation uh under article three to entertain the case
1: the first affirmative defense of course will be a failure to exhaust it it
0: it it, it would be arguably and,
1: and if that prevails back to state court
0: uh, arguably, that would be correct. The only issue is, again, we don't have any uh, obligation. Austin exhaustion
1: would include a, a, appeal.
0: It, it would, except, again, it's we under don't. Under
1: whatever procedures uh, Missouri allows. This is like the, the teacher's cases out of Minnesota from 20 or 30 years ago, where certification is the exclusive remedy for teacher discipline. And we went around and around about abstention, intersecting
0: with that. I'm unfortunately not familiar with that particular line of cases, uh, but I do agree with you that there are affirmative defenses that could be raised in the federal court. I don't agree uh, to the extent that you're claiming that we would have failed to exhaust our administrative remedies with respect to a challenge to the ordinance um, that that. We, we don't, we again, we, there is no administrative remedy for us to challenge the adoption or the future enforcement of the ordinance. The only administrative obligation that we had was to file our appeal at the Board of Adjustment. I'm sorry, to file our appeal by writ of certiorari to the Stone County Court with respect to the specific decision of the Board of Adjustment that denied our application for conditional use permit. If there are other questions, I'll yield my time. Thank you.
1: Thank you.
3: Used to being
1: alone up here. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mr. Elliot?
4: may it please the court counsel <clears throat> to start off with your honors i want to address a couple of the issues in mr ankram's presentation um the first question from this court was what about NOPSI? what about sprint well first of all sprint is a federal preemption case involving telecom fees and it's not a state planning and zoning land use case I think that the Supreme the Court
1: preemption of of the Iowa Utilities
4: Board. That's right, federal. Not a whole pre- lot
1: different than, than zoning boards.
4: I, I would argue materially different, but for the reason that whenever well, the court say it
1: was a federal action, it's irrelevant. It was it had to do with younger preemption. I agree of of state remedies. And our, our our decision that the fe, that the federal court was pre, was was pre, younger preempted,
4: correct? It was reversed
1: and, nine to nothing.
4: And the concept behind Younger from the very beginning has been federalism and comedy between the states and the federal government. And of course, in this case, this is outside the record. This isn't at Let's, issue. But just one, tell
1: me which of the nopsy the three nopsy sections you're sure the district court
4: it it could be two or three either of those two elements under Nopsi could be what's what's the enforcement under two well the enforcement what i was getting ready to say your honor is this court asked the question to mr ankrum about was there an enforcement proceeding well under the record presented to this body the answer is no however the actual facts in the underlying state proceeding was that this particular landowner had operated out of compliance with respect to Stone County's planning and zoning regulation leading up to their request for the conditional use permit. That was, and that has not, that has been borne out in the underlying state court action, but I would propose to this court that had 375 Slane Chapel Road not applied for their CUP and the Arguments and facts giving rise to them making that application, it could have and potentially would have resulted your, in a local what's your enforcement. What's federal receipt.
1: case for this? Is a civil enforcement nopsy case.
4: What? I don't know that I have a great case. I don't, I don't, post think, there, I don't
1: think there is one. I, I, just, I
4: don't think there is, Your Honor.
1: No. All right. So, on, <clears throat> what about the what about the third factor, which is kind of the squishiest?
4: It, it, correct. So.
1: Why does why this fit within the third Nazi category?
4: Um, Judge, we have a couple of cases. I mean, we have Minnesota Living uh, Assistance versus Peterson out of the 8th Circuit in 2018, um, which would have been five years after. Admittedly, that was an FLSA case. Um, but I think the corollary there is similar in the sense that you I mean, have...
1: I want a NOPSI case. I, I want a case that says this is, not, this is the third NOPSI. This was all fought on Middlesex. And, and Jacob says, you know, forget Middlesex. If you don't, if you can't meet one of the three Nazi categories, forget, don't talk to me about Middlesex. I,
4: I don't think that that's what, I don't think that any of the cases out of the Eighth Circuit post-Sprint have really said that, though, Your Honor. I mean, I've.
1: Well, <laughs> I don't know how they were argued. Maybe they ignored it.
4: But potentially we, so.
1: Since we, since we got reverse nine to nothing, we probably haven't been too anxious to embrace
4: well, it. Well, Younger was applied in Minnesota Living Assistance and it went through the analysis. Was there an important state interest? Does it fit within one of the three categories? If there's a state process, is there an important state interest? Is there an adequate opportunity? The three middle sex factors. Then is there one of the compelling exceptions to abstention? Well, that well, that case, post-Sprint, applied that very same analysis.
2: But, but I'm going to take you back to sprint as well i mean i as i read sprint you gotta get you gotta pick one of those three from nopsy so so if we can stay there for a little bit before we go into middlesex um, factors it sounds like you're relying on the third bucket the third category
4: I think two and three are both potential candidates to be applied so, in this situation. So your theory
2: on the, on the second one is there could have been an enforcement action?
4: That's correct. And in this particular situation, I mean, it, it, it wasn't just because 375 slain went through the administrative process. Factually speaking, which I know is not before this body, but factually speaking, had 375 slain not been advised, Number one, that the county, 375, didn't even know that Stone County had planning and zoning. That That's in the record. And so once they found out that Stone County had planning and zoning and that a conditional use w- permit was required for nightly rental, then they made the request for the conditional use permit. Had they not made the request for the conditional use permit, Stone County regularly files enforcement actions against nightly rentals, as you all can imagine. Okay,
1: but they, they did file. <laughs> It feels I like mean, you're asking. They, they anticipated the the need to avoid civil enforcement, and they did.
4: And then they didn't get the results that they wanted, and they filed a writ case under sixty four eight seventy and a concurrent federal case. So,
1: all right. So, what's what? Why is the concurrent federal case fit under under the third Nazi factor? That's what we're trying to get you to explain.
4: Well, I don't know that any case subsequent to Sprint has really said anything that isn't as. Well, Judge "I, guess, was I guess well,
1: you'll have to help us be the first. Well, if, if all our other panels have had cases where no one was, no attorney was prudent enough to find Sprint, which I can't believe.
4: Well, we both cited to Sprint, Your Honor, in, in our briefing. We we both did you, cite you, to Sprint. You
1: cited it as well. Y- yes. And the district court ignored. What what did you say about it? I in didn't.
4: In the briefing to this court, no, we no, addressed I, Sprint. No
1: to the district court. Negative,
4: Your Honor. We did not address Sprint in the briefing yes, to the underlying court, done. I believe. ever
1: since, in the A circuit, ever since Sprint came down.
4: I would have well, to I go back you, and look. You
2: could start with the cases that are cited to, within the Supreme Court decision, as a C. Penzoil, C. Judice. Did you, we, those are examples, it was at a, a bond, posting bond pending appeal, things that were related to the ability of the court to enforce its order or conduct its own proceedings that at least those are the examples that i found if you can find some others of of how we should look at that third category please speak up but those are those are the ones that, that we started with so i'm i'm just trying to figure out how this one how your case fits sure. uh, with with an understandably limited number of examples uh, out there as to what qualifies
4: one moment.
1: You know, the, kind of the bottom line on, uh, is why isn't this a situation where, uh, if the both if both the state and federal court have concurrent jurisdiction, first one to decide. What is what is there about the state interest that commands? It must be exclusive. Well, That's what NAPSI asks.
4: Of course, these are part and parcel in one another. I mean, the, the cases that talk about concurrent jurisdiction seem to say federal courts don't want to get in the way of planning and zoning land use issues.
1: Well, the Supreme but, Court has never, ever since unflagging, Obligation came into Supreme Court jurisdiction almost a hundred years ago. That has not been the law of the land,
4: and so they couldn't. I mean, under the cases, they you know, talk if you, about.
1: You, if you get into the practicalities of competing pending cases, you have all kinds of you have all kinds of doctrines that the federal court can invoke to decide why in this case. Your, the state court proceeding should go first. You have exhaustion, you have stays, you have all kinds of, of, depend, of, defend, of doctrines under the federal rules of civil procedure that make for orderly handling of concurrent jurisdiction. And the Supreme Court, as I, as I understand them almost philosophically, says that's the way to go don't tell don't tell the don't don't say the federal court can't go first
4: well in this instance i mean the 375 could have I, I, the argument that they continue to make 375 continues to make those that they could not have made the claim that we're talking about here today i mean they made federal due process and equal protection claims in the federal complaint and there's no reason why they couldn't
1: I think the merits as I understand them and I haven't studied them but they're almost far-fetched I mean pre-enforcement injunctions are about the hardest thing in the world to get but that doesn't mean the federal court doesn't have jurisdiction to decide if this is one of the rare situations where it's appropriate
4: this is subjected a simple planning and zoning process which there are thousands, hundreds of thousands probably over the country, where they could have raised their constitutional issues in a separate count. Mr. Ankrum stood up here and admitted that. They could have asserted that second cause of action. And it doesn't, from a pure judicial efficiency standpoint, it doesn't make any sense to file two separate lawsuits involving the same core parties, the same core nexus of facts, and the same issue.
1: A- agreed, but that's not, yeah. that's not the okay. law of abstention. Can I
3: ask a question about this whole add a second claim thing? Because I think I'm a little bit confused. Would would that second claim have been added in the cert petition? Or would it have been added when they brought the claim in the first instance to the lower body? Seeking their seat. Like, when do they add this second claim where they could have done everything you say they could have done?
4: Whenever they filed their petition in circuit court in the state of Missouri, in... At the same day, I think it was May 12th of 2021. They could have had one petition with one count on a writ of cert, and one count, or three counts, or five counts, or however many counts they wanted to, that that was identical to the complaint in this underlying case.
3: As a civil lawsuit, sort of pendant to the cert petition. Correct. Okay.
4: But oh, just sorry. to clarify, I, I mean, under the writ process, I mean. As the governing body, we have the obligation to submit. Once the circuit court issues the writ, we have the obligation within 30 days to submit the record on appeal. So, I mean, that is the first-level review at side of the administrative body. And so that would have been, in my estimation, the appropriate time for them to have asserted that claim. But they chose not to do so and went to the district court. And I think that the district court followed the law under Younger properly in order to abstain. It's not that the district court had to abstain, but I think that the district court looked at the factors and properly abstained. It was dismissed without prejudice.
3: I feel like one of the things you're saying about the second uh, NOPSI option is that if there could be an enforcement action, even if there isn't, that gives that makes it fall under the factor. Is that, is that your position?
4: It, it, it is.
3: So where's the I mean, limiting principle there, given that you know it's pretty clear from the court and, frankly, from the Sprint decision that this isn't to be broadly applied? Where's the limiting principle in the idea that if there could have been an enforcement provision, that triggers number two?
4: Um, it's always difficult to come up with the hypothetical what if about where is the limitation. Um, I... I think potentially this court could have a set of facts in front of it that the – if you actually had facts in front of you on the record. Which is a problem. Which is difficult. But, I mean, if there was no possible chance or factually or legally impossible, obviously that would not be a situation that I would, in good faith and fair dealing and not being red-faced, come up before this body and say, well, they could have been – an enforcement, if it was factually or legally impossible, obviously I think that's one end of the spectrum. Um, However, I mean, it just so happens in this situation, I mean, we have facts on the record that, I mean, there would have likely been an enforcement proceeding had 375 slain not come before, you know, the the administrative bodies first in front of planning and zoning. So to be frank, I'm not sure where the outer limits of that extend, but I think under the facts of the underlying state case here, um there there would be uh, you know we haven't played out that question in the state court proceeding but i think that the county would take the position that had they not complied they would have filed an enforcement proceeding and there is a pattern of practice of doing so over the years
3: and when do you think that we'll get a ruling on the cert petition
4: i do not know i know that in february the court um was of the opinion that there needed to be a written findings of facts and conclusions of law. Um, we did not necessarily agree with that assertion under state law, but because that was the interlocutory order of the court, we did go back and obtain findings of fact and conclusions um, from the Board of Adjustment. Um, that has been fully briefed. It has been orally argued. And um, we have a status uh, conference here scheduled in a week or two with the judge to check on status. Thank so. you.
3: Oh I didn't mean to shut you up though.
4: (laughs) Very good. Thank you all for your time. I appreciate you.
1: Thank you, Councillor. I'll give you a minute for rebuttal if you'd like.
0: Judge Loken, I wanted to go back to a question that you and I believe Judge Kelly asked about. Um, what A case where there had been an application um, of... Um, Your mask is... Oh, my apologies. Uh, I wanted to go back to the question that you were asked. that Essentially, was, what's the case that establishes that this is such a, a, a pervasive state interest that um, it should... Um, uh, that, that That we should either look beyond or try to fit it in with one of the uh, NOPSI criteria. And I I, I want to draw to your attention NOPSI itself, which expressly holds that (coughs) we would assuredly not require a facial challenge to an allegedly unconstitutional zoning ordinance be brought in state court. That's what the Supreme Court said in NOPSI. Which is directly relevant here, because that's exactly what the district court did. And that's exactly how the district court erred. The principal issue, and going to your question, Judge um, Kelly, also, on the autopsy criteria, I, I would argue that that third criteria is limited exactly as it's described. It's going to require an absolute state court judicial function, an order that would affect a state court judicial function, and there certainly is not one of those in this case that would uh, attach to the underlying action in any fashion um, uh, to bring this within the third criteria, and the the Judas and uh, Penzoil cases, civil contempt and, and bond, uh, would be examples. There's nothing like that here at all. The Oh, I'm sorry. I'm out of time. Thank you, Your Honors. We would ask that you reverse the district court's decision.
1: Thank you, counsel. Thank you. The case has been
2: well briefed and arguments has been helpful. We'll take it under advisement.